Hi everyone, I'm Monica Sous, DFO, which stands for Chief Fun Officer at Sulfo Kitchens and board member of the Cabinet Makers Association. I'd like to welcome you to episode 6 of Pro Cabinet Maker, a monthly podcast produced by the CMA. Each month, we'll chat with some outstanding industry professionals about the issues and challenges impacting their businesses, as well as success stories to inspire. My guest today is Dominic Rubino, a professional speaker, facilitator, author, and business coach dedicated to helping woodworking professionals work less and earn more. He was the keynote speaker at our previous conference in Chicago, but I also know him personally as he used to coach us. I'm looking forward to the discussion. So welcome to the podcast, Dominic. Tell us something about yourself. And you and I know each other, but for people who haven't met me before, I get to be the host of something I love doing. I talk to cabinet makers and architectural mill workers, furniture makers all over the world because I host a show called Cabinet Maker Profit System. I didn't think that domain name was long enough, so I just kept adding words to it. Yeah, no, I, I know your podcast and I recommend it to everybody. I listen to almost all of them. And as you know, sometimes I give you grief about your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Badly joked, They're poorly so delivered corny. is my They're thing. They're so corny. <laughs> I know, it's so bad. And I, it's but like I don't guess fun. a hint. I have to start with a compliment though, because you guys moved into a new location and I was, you know, you and Radu took me for a tour. What a great facility you guys have. Thank you. Yeah, beautiful. Anyways, I don't want to hijack the episode. Let me put it back in your hands, Monica. What What do you want to talk about today? Uh, maybe I should preface by saying I'm a Romanian and I don't know if I should generalize, but I think I should generalize. We are notorious for being late. We are all over the place and we're pretty late. At my brother-in-law's wedding, he, he told everybody the wedding is at four to make sure everybody's there at five. And the priest was late two hours. <laughs> no way. Even the priest. Yes. yes. We are so bad. So I work from home and I don't know what's worse. Is it harder to do time management at home? Because I do the office work, you know, where you have the dog, the kids, sometimes the laundry, the food, the cleaning, or in the shop. I think the shop is even worse because I come here and I need my people fixed. So I go around and I talk to everybody mm. and... By the time I'm done, the day is done and I get nothing done. I find it hard to get things done. Yeah. That's me. Even though you wrap that up in how your day goes, that's very common. Everybody else has their own way of running their business, but we all encounter the problems of time management. And earlier I made the joke, time management is like brushing your dog. You're never really done, right? You're laughing. I know you yes. have dogs as well. And it has to be a constant and ongoing thing, but the frustrations come up in the same way as you just said there. The frustration of, I'm working as hard as I can, but I never seem to get anything done. How come there's not enough time in the day? How come there's not enough days in the week, right? Or I had this big plan on Monday that I was going to do X and Y and Z, and I barely got started on X. And it gets frustrating. And then you add to that the problem that next week, you decide my priorities are going to be one, two, and three, and you forget about X, Y, and Z. And then the problem with that is your staff starts to see Oh, Monica just had a great idea over the weekend. We can ignore her because on Monday she comes in with a great idea. By Tuesday, it's a little bit of a good idea. And then she forgets about it. You know, and I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me and all of us, right? Yeah. I encounter that a lot in my coaching as well. Uh, guilty admission would be social media. I've cut down a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, social media is, uh, is really good at draining our time. You know what I have found? Because I've had to study time management. And of course, now I teach it to a certain extent. I'm not a time management oh. expert, but as a business coach 
add as an entrepreneur myself, because I'm not just a, you know, what I call a book learned business coach, somebody that's read a couple of books, maybe taken a course. And now they say, well, I'm a business coach. I've been doing this for 23 years now, 23 years. And the reason I became a business coach is because I sucked at business. And I started taking courses and reading books and reading books and taking courses and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on personal improvement. And a lot of that was time management. I just couldn't keep track of things. I was always scattered. Yeah. And you know what they say, those who can't teach. <laughs> Thank you. Well, do you know that's not a compliment at all? <laughs> well, we know each other. It's a good point. We bet each other. Yeah. You know what? No, it's a good point. And you notice that didn't fluster me at all. I don't want to, can I tell you how I got to where we sit today? Sure. Okay. I'm not going to go back too far, but in the year 2000, I realized I sucked at business, even though I, you know, I had a, a small home reno company and I was a house painter before that. And actually my first business ever was a Christmas light installation company. So always in the trades business, then I got out of trades and back in, but I became a business coach because I sucked at business. And after I became a business coach and started to do very well at it, by the way, I had a small business of my own that I started to apply the same things to as I was teaching other people. And I took that small business from zero. It was one of those companies, Monica, that wasn't doing well enough to keep open, but was just doing barely well enough. <laughs> you know, I should have closed it, but it didn't matter yes. if I did or didn't. That company. I think we all have, have had that at one point. Yeah. I had one that was the childproofing. Baby childproofing. I, I got the idea from Sex and the City <laughs> and I had like a month or two of it, but then Radu's business just took off way, way more than mine. Right. So I had the same thing. That business, you know, I was teaching people all the elements of running a successful business, but I had a little side business. Anyways, what I did with that side business, which by the way, sold used junk on eBay. And this is the time when eBay was just brand new, brand new. And so the junk that I sold, don't sip your coffee now. You're going to spit it out through your nose. What I sold on eBay was used LED calculators. Uh, you're too young to remember, but there were these ColecoVision head-to-head -head football games or LED games like Merlin and yes. things like that. Dungeons and Dragons games. So I bought that stuff at garage <laughs> sales and flea markets and I sold it online. Anyways, long story short, I reinvented that. Using what I talk about in business coaching myself, I reinvented that business and turned it into an online bookseller. And that was doing pretty well, but then I turned that into a mail order pharmacy. And by the time I sold that company, I had built it to 120 million in sales. So I appreciate you saying those that can't teach, but I, I okay, yeah, that's bad for those people. Because then after that, I bought another company. And that company I bought was a global franchising company when I franchised, believe it or not, business coaching. So I spent about 13 years training people to do what I'm doing with you right now. People are like, hey, Dom, okay. you're not a cabinet maker. Why the heck are you talking to cabinet makers? The reason is going back to the year 2000, my first customer ever was a guy that made used pool tables. My second customer was a guy that made coffins and caskets. And I've always been working with woodworkers since. So anyways, I love it. I've built and sold a couple of businesses. They've all been multinational. You know, they started local. And then of course I grew and expanded. But now I host the two podcasts because I don't like traveling. I'm burned out. I spent most of my life traveling and being away from my family. And I'm actually supposed to be a dad and a good husband and being on the road, you know, wasn't good for one family. It's hard. So we're doing great with our time management here with the podcast, aren't we? <laughs> we're doing fantastic. Can I tell you the issue that really lies at the core of time management? And I don't know everybody's situation. Yes, please. And if anybody's taking notes, write this on the middle of your page. My priorities. That's what time management comes down to is understanding your priorities. Can I give you a test on that? 
Mine always switch and change. So let's see. Let's see your test. Yeah. I want you to take yourself forward to the Thursday before a long weekend. How okay. efficient, how good are you at time management on the Thursday when you're trying to go away for the long weekend? Very good. Very good. Because I got, right? I know for sure I didn't get anything done. And tomorrow's the day I need to grow. So yeah, for sure I will turn off everything. I will turn off my computer, my uh, cell phone. I will turn off all notifications. Maybe I put a sticker on the door saying not disturb. I right. got to finish my stuff. And I, I do in one, that one day, probably what I don't do in that week. Right. And you get, and I'm going to use these words, you get vicious about your priorities. Yes. This has yes. to get done. And this is the highest priority. And I do that first. Well, that's what time management does when I understand my priorities. For those people who've already listened to my, to the podcast, you know, the, the diamond mapping exercise that I do, that's where people understand their priorities because there's so much coming at us as a business owner. We've got our people. We've got projects, we've got customers we have to contact for new business. We've got projects already in play. We've got punch lists. We might have health and safety or OSHA coming by. Yes. My priorities have to come first. So could you say what a day should look like in the life of an office person? Yes, although it's different for everybody. So let's say today, yes. we just happen to be recording on a, on a Wednesday. It doesn't matter what Wednesday it is. I should know that every Wednesday I have a certain list of to-dos. And those to-dos have to line up with my priorities. Every Thursday should have the same list of items. Anywhere that I can add consistency, I should add consistency and I should fight to add consistency. There's something, and you might find this too, Monica, that is that if I don't control my time, other people will. Uh -huh. If I don't control my sense. time, that means I'm letting other people control it. So I kind of have to be a, uh, oh God, I can not allowed to use that word on the podcast. I have to be the mean kind of person with I, the time. I know what you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it makes sense. And I guess it applies to anything pretty much. Office, the shop, the office manager, the production manager, the engineer, right. the sales guy. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting you say the sales guy is salespeople especially have to be really good at time management because you're juggling multiple priorities and deals that are in different stages of progress. But then that happens as well with the project managers, the production managers, the draftsmen, the estimators, and the business owner. If the business owner, and I'm speaking to almost everybody listening, if the business owner doesn't use good time management practices, how can you expect your team to do the same? Because they look to you and me for guidance. They look to us for our expectations and then they try to meet those expectations. If you allow it to be sloppy and all over the place, then it's okay for them to be sloppy and all over the place. But if you say every Monday we have this meeting at this time and every Wednesday we have this meeting at this time, they'll fall into that pattern. Exactly. That's why we hire good people. We hired great people. Yeah, you do have great people on your team. Yeah. We do. We do. You always hire people better than you. Yeah. That's my that's my one rule. <laughs> and those people probably have the discipline as well of, of time management or other discipline in their life. But you know, it, it's such an important but overlooked tool. And they don't really teach it in school because they don't need to. In school, they're teaching people to be employees. School does not teach people to be leaders. And so what happens is once we get out of school, we have to go find leadership training or leadership courses or books on leader. You know, we have to go get that ourselves. In school, they just want to teach you to go work at a company. You know, listening to a show like this or joining the CMA is about the leadership and management skills that you don't get from a, a normal school. And none of us have time to learn through experience. We'd have to live to be 500 to get things right. Exactly. What would you advise for when a task or project takes longer than anticipated? 
Yeah, that's a good question. But who would I advise on that? The owner, the project manager, the person building it? Person building it. You know, it's funny. The first thing that comes to my mind is what are the priorities to get this done? And then I would say, this is just me, my style. How can I help? And how can I help does not mean me getting my hands dirt. All right. How can I help might mean who else can we get on this? Because if I've got somebody on my team who comes to me and says, assembling all these components is going to take me until midnight tonight, but I'm willing to stay and do the overtime. I would say, how can I help? They'll go, well, I don't know, just you know, maybe leave the coffee on so I can take a break. Instead of you staying till midnight, why don't we get six people to stay for an extra hour? Yeah, this creates stress sometimes when you have too much on your plate and then you just feel like everything's out of control. Everybody wants their project completed yesterday, but it's kind of a hurry up and wait game with getting the necessary supplies to make everything that you need to make. Then we have the short, the delays. It's a lot. What can you advise on to alleviate these demands? You know, a lot of planning in advance mm-hmm. and maybe even more than you're doing now, which seems like a waste of time. You have to spend some time sharpening the ax to cut down the tree, right? And, or the saw, you know, in our, in our industry, yes. right? We shouldn't be using axes to build fine furniture, <laughs> but um, it comes down to that. You have to take time to plan. There is a great quote by Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu is a military strategist, and I'm not sure if people have read his book, The Art of War. The Art of War. It's a fantastic book. I, that is That book and uh, The E-Myth Revisited are probably my two most reread books in my life. Like, I just read them again and again. But the Sun Tzu quote is, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. I'm going to say it again, and then I'm going to break it apart. Strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. Tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. So now let's go to the assembly benchman. He just wants to work hard to finish this assembly. And and I'm just using the same example. I'm willing to work till midnight to get this done. But that's tactics. That's just working from the neck down. Our job as business owners is to work from the neck up. And the problem most likely didn't exist at the bench. I could probably track back that problem to something else in production or in planning or even in estimating that was the root cause of the issue. Because my job as the owner is to find the root causes. And Paul Akers talks about this all the time in Two Second Leap. you got to go find the root cause and attack it like it is attacking your company. Like it's an intruder in your company. Go attack that thing, fix it, and then reap the rewards, but also be aware there's going to be another bottleneck coming and go find that one and attack it. Notice my language. Don't approach it. Don't kind of talk about it. Attack the thing. Boy, I'm really being careful not to use powerful words here today, but almost (laughs) cast three times. It's really not about, let's think about the problem and let's maybe look at it later. No, you have a problem. Let's go get it. Fix that one problem. If everybody listening to the show fixed one problem in their company this week, imagine where their company would be. And now imagine they fixed 52 problems in a year. How much different would their businesses be? True. I can think of one for my husband, Vado, who's the sales guy. Poor guy, he's all over the place. He's selling, he's managing, he's... Everybody I think knows he's wearing all of those hats. I keep telling him, you need to delegate some of your work, but it's the age-old problem that we keep talking about. You know, maybe find a sales guy or find an estimator, find a you know, so many other jobs that you do, that would be good time management, but it's hard to find people too. And it's, sometimes it's, you just think, ah, oh, I'll just do it because, you know, it takes too long to train them or 
Right. So those priorities come from having a vision. You have to have a bigger plan. Now, you and Radu have a wonderful vision that I'm, I'm not free to share here. I've heard it from you guys. That's yours to share. And I sound like a broken record saying this, and I don't care because it is the answer. What gives me my priorities is having a plan. Just like Sun Tzu's quote, strategy without tactics, right? You have to have a strategic plan. You have to have a business plan. I don't care how fancy your plan is. It could be three words scrawled on the wall in your kid's crayons. So the plan that you're going to have is what's your vision? Like, who are you as a company? What do you want to accomplish in 10 years? Do you want to sell the business? Do you want to pass it on to your kids? Do you want to hit 2 million in revenue, 10 million? It doesn't matter, whatever your number is. What kind of profitability do you want to hit? Who's your perfect customer? Now, your perfect customer might or might not be Radu's issue, and I don't want to talk about him without him here, but one of the definitions of an ideal customer is, let's say, maximum 45 minutes from our manufacturing facility. Because otherwise, we're driving all over hell's half acre to get there, right? So, And then there's well, other definitions. His perfect client is the one that uh, is easiest to work with. Yeah, and more, of course, right? More important than the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ease of Ease of working with them. And then there's a couple of other definitions. But that plan has to allow you to look at the future because, and we all have this, it is more powerful to be pulled towards something than it is to be pushed. Nobody wants to be pushed because you feel forced. So you need... And, I, and I'm saying this, we all need to be pulled towards something, not push. I need a reason to lose weight. I need a reason to stop smoking, not being pushed to stop. Let's say I don't smoke, but let's give this as an example because many people do. If your family is pushing you, you got to stop smoking. You got to stop smoking. The last thing you want to do is stop smoking. If they're saying the same thing, you got to lose weight. You got to lose weight. Last thing you want to do is lose weight. You're like, don't push me. Don't tell me what to do. But somebody who says in their own mind, you know what? I need to stop smoking. I need to lose weight. I need to something else. And here's why. That's a much more powerful pulling and motivating factor. Actually, it's time for a funny story, if that's okay. Yes. Okay. I always chuckle at them. <laughs> so this one's not even a bad joke, Monica. <laughs> There's a chain of women's weight loss centers. They're called Jenny Craig. Yes. So there's something called the Jenny Craig closing strategy. And this is what the Jenny Craig counselors, I guess, the lady that sits at the front, they're trained on saying this. And the reason this is important is because it relates exactly to being pulled towards something instead of being pushed. Okay. Now this is a very well-known closing strategy. So it's what you say to help seal the deal with the customer. And it goes like this. The woman is sitting in front of me. Let's say that I'm the weight loss counselor. I'm going to say, and Monica, if you don't mind, I'll use you as the example. Sure. Um, Monica, what happened in your life in the last 24 hours to make you finally decide to come in and see us? We've been here for 13 years. The actual training strategy is after you ask that very powerful question, the Jenny Craig counselor has to be quiet, has to shut up. So Monica, what happened in your life in the last 24 hours to finally make you decide to come in here? Mm. And then it's dead silence. And the answers they get are, my kid said I'm fat. My husband's having an affair. I'm going to my high school reunion and Jenny's going to be there. I've always hated Jenny and Jenny looks great and I don't. Blah, blah, blah. And so now that woman is pulled towards her own motivation, right? Pulled. Mm. We have to be pulled. And so for us, that's in business, it's a business plan, a strategic plan. If you don't have one, you're wandering through the desert and you're wondering why you're frustrated. You're not getting anywhere. You got to have a plan. Sorry, I get, so, I get a little. No, no, it totally makes sense. So Dominic Rubino, tell me, what time does your alarm clock ring? What does your day look like from beginning to the end? 
well, my business is different than a contractor or a, somebody running a light manufacturing facility, but mine, I wake up at 5.12 every morning. I get to the gym by six. You know, the workout's over at seven. I'm out by about 7.20. I'm at my desk by eight. Meetings start at 8.30. Meetings happen on a preset schedule. Monica, you and Radu know this, right? So I preset my meetings with people every, every second Tuesday at two o'clock or every second Wednesday at one, whatever the times are. Also in there, it depends on the day, but my support staff have preset meetings with me. Those preset meetings have preset agendas. You won't be surprised because you know this, my agenda for every meeting starts with the same thing. Number one is, hi, how you doing? Because I'm as social as you are, <laughs> right? Number two, yes. numbers. Because okay. if you're not giving me numbers, you're giving me stories. I'll say that. So we start with <laughs> numbers, right? So hi, how's everybody doing? Let's jump into the numbers. Boom, 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 boom. And everybody already knows what numbers we're talking about. By the way, that's how my coaching meetings start as well. Because the numbers removes the BS. The BS, exactly. What's wrong with me today? What is wrong with me today? I'm playing it up like a sailor in my mind. You're doing great. Exactly what you mean. And we didn't cuss. And then uh, at the end of the day, I start my second job, which is taking my kids to different sports. And that's no different than any other parent out there. And then I guess I end, I slow down at about 9.30. It used to be later because, you know, the kids are doing, you know, their sports are a little earlier and a little earlier. Swimming, I think. My daughter's a competitive swimmer. My son is is mm-hmm. uh, trying to, you know, just plays lacrosse 24-7 in school. Wow. So what I'm hearing is discipline. Yes. And that's what I lacked. You know, when I look back to 1999, I was running all these businesses, but you're right, I didn't have discipline. I'd get a phone call, I'm up on a ladder, I gotta go see somebody else, I gotta go buy paint, I gotta go buy materials, I gotta, yeah. How does that work that you put yourself into that mindset that, you know, you recognize it, okay, I recognize it. What's the next step to make yourself just follow through and do it without going to the army? <laughs> yeah, well, the ar- what does the army teach? Discipline. Discipline. Yeah, I have to impose that discipline on myself. You know, I know there are many different strategies for this, but I'm, I'm working through this right now with uh, actually a, a group of Amish partners. They're three <laughs> Amish brothers, well, two brothers and a brother-in-law who have a cabinet shop. And we just started working on affirmations, daily affirmations. So once I have my priorities, and just for the sake of it, my priorities would be under, people can have different headings. And, and like I said, I have downloads for this. If anybody wants, just contact me, I'll give you the stuff. But let's say you've got a heading of being a father, or uh, let's say family, faith, business success, and personal development. Let's say those four headings are something you care about just by writing out your own priorities. Well, once you know those things, let's just say a parent as an example, right? We're all, I think everybody is a parent here, or at least an aunt and an uncle. So on a daily basis, the first thing I do in the morning, my discipline starts. As long as I do that first thing, everything else will follow. If I write out my affirmations around being a parent, so I'm a father, so I'll use that. My personal affirmation is I'm a wise and patient husband and father. And I write that out every day, every business day. That's how I start my day. And I've got six or seven other ones that I write. What I do as well is because I'm writing that on a blank page, as I write out, I am a wise and patient husband and father, I remember, uh uh-oh, I have to do this. I've got to check on my son's lacrosse something. So I write that at the bottom of the page. That becomes my to-do list for the day. Right. If one of my personal achievement things is we achieve 40% gross profit margin on all cabinetry jobs, then at the bottom of my sheet, I'm going to say on the Monica Seuss estimate, I have to make sure I'm estimating at 40% GP. 
It's just a reminder to myself that those affirmations link to my actions, links to my day. Wow. But it's not complicated because I'm a dummy. No, no, just it's, have to not, find it's not. The you just have to follow the simple systems and, and the, again, yeah. the discipline. Yeah. Now, some days I blow it. I'm not at my desk by 8. My first meeting at 8.30, it, something happens. But let's say that I get that done four days out of five. Is that a success or is that a failure? Oh, yeah, that's a success, I think. Right. Yeah, and it's the same for all of us. What tools do you use? I personally use, of course, Google calendars. What else do you use? Give me some tips. So I use a lot of paper for myself. I do a lot of my thinking in notebooks and on paper. So that's the first default. We don't need anything fancy. If you can't make it work on paper, you can't make it work in software. So start with paper. The next level from paper is whiteboards. And whiteboards are great for sharing my vision or my idea with everybody else on my team. And then from there, depending on what you need, there are other applications, right? Some people listening are using Energy, some are using Crow's Nest, some are using what Jobber. It doesn't matter. Find a software you like and get into it. Just get into it. But the very basics have to work first. Again, if you can't make it on paper, it ain't going to work anywhere else. If you can't make it work in Excel, it ain't going to work anywhere else. I'm the king of doing it cheap. I don't even mind saying that. Even if the Energy and Crow's Nest guys are listening, don't care. Do it cheap, do it right, and then scale up to the software. Okay. Well, that sounds doable. Yeah. And then for CRM, and a lot of people don't use a CRM, which is a big oversight. CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. So I hope we all have this, but I have to have on my computer somewhere a contact card that says Monica Seuss, Sofo Kitchens, phone number is, email address is, and then it tracks our open conversations. There's very simple ways to do that that are built into everybody's software. And then there's more complicated ways to do that, which is a CRM. For instance, and I don't want to speak about Radu because he's not here, but if an owner's like Radu where they're doing all the selling, if there's no CRM, they can never delegate because you can't manage the other person. Can you recommend an easy one, a beginner's one? No. No. No, because there's so many. There's just gobs of them up. What do you use? I use a software that's more specific to my industry right? Because I'm in the IP, really intellectual property. So I use close.com, but that's for much more hype because I'm running courses. I've got boot camps running. I've got coaching. So I, it's a different business. For something like this, you can use something like Insightly. Uh, and I'm talking about very basic options, right? There's a, also a certain level of CRM inside of ActiveCampaign or ClickFunnels, which is a good way to market. If you're using online marketing to find customers, if they're coming in through Google search, paid ads or organic, but it, it doesn't take a lot of searching to go and find a CRM. And every decent CRM, you can download the data and transfer to another one whenever you're ready. So don't be afraid. Don't get locked into one CRM. Just use it until you don't need it. Move to the next. Just like we all did with our saw. Just like we all did with our edge bander. Just like we all did with our meat booth. You start here and you evolve. So I think we're just about at the end here. Thanks so much again for joining us, Dominic. Thanks to everybody for listening to this latest episode of The Pro Cabinet Maker. Join us each month as we discuss trends that impact the woodworking industry. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And Dominic, you said you have a few sheets and a few handouts oh. you can share. We can post those. People okay. can contact me as well. And I'm easy to find through though the podcast cabinet maker profit system very long you can also search me by name dominic rubino and you can find me there on linkedin and everything this is my joke if you can't find me you ain't looking but if somebody wants the diamond mapping exercise to help them figure out their priorities 
It's, I think, four or five pages. It's not very long, but it's powerful. And it goes through those four headings I was talking about. Just contact me. You know, they can send me a, a message at my cell. My cell phone number is 604-837-8361. And I'll just email them what they need. Perfect. Thank you so much again, Dominic. Looking forward to seeing you again, maybe at EWFS. That's right. Yeah, I'll see you there. If you'd like more information about the Cabinet Makers Association, visit us online at cabinetmakers.org. Bye.